Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, welcome to Journey Success Radio. I'm your host, Kelly Russell. I'm the mentee of Tom Tutal Cunningham. Today's guest is Tom Crea. Tom Crea's approach to leadership is one rooted in military values, focused on team building, and leverages interpersonal communications, which is the subject of today's discussion. Tom served as a served a career in perhaps the best leadership development environment available, the U.S. Army. He considers his experience a privilege and an opportunity, one he wants to share with those interested in becoming better leaders. Today, Tom conducts keynotes, interactive seminars, and offers leadership coaching to business leaders via his programs that include an Army helicopter pilot spin on developing the leader in you. He believes that organizations succeed because of effective leadership and team building. Tom retired as a lieutenant colonel, which provided him the opportunity to interact with soldiers at all levels, from private to four-star generals. In his final assignment, he led the ROTC programs at two different universities, where he and his team developed college students and transformed them into Army leaders. A Fortune magazine article stated that 82% of the time new managers fail within the first 18 months is due to a failure to build good relationships. Whether you are experienced or new to management, Tom's presentations focus on effective communication and relationship building, which is a critical skill for effective leadership and fundamental success. Ladies and gentlemen, let me welcome Tom Cray and begin today's discussion on developing effective communication skills for leaders. Tom, are you with us? I am, Kelly. Thank you for having me. Thank you for, uh, thank you for taking the time to be with us, and thank you for your service to our country as well. Oh, thanks for that as well. Uh, let's talk. Let's get into the discussion real quick. Talk about what are some of the keys to building relationships with your coworkers and employees. Okay. Well, as you read in the intro, there's a uh, that article that stated that 82 percent of the time, new managers fail within the first 18 months is due to their failure to build good relationships. Well, the relationships are key, critical. And and when I'm talking to clients, one of the things I ask them is. When you think of a relationship, and it doesn't have to be a work relationship, assume it's a personal relationship, do you go in with a 50-50 attitude? Now, most often, because we're really interested in the relationship and making it grow, I get the answer, well, no, I think I should go in more. And and I would submit to you that that's exactly right. Going in with a 50-50 attitude is not a good way to build a relationship, and here's why. Imagine you're on the bank of a river, and you've got somebody on the opposite side, and you're trying to build that bridge, and you go in with that 50-50 attitude. Well, the problem there is that if, because we're all human, because we all make mistakes and we all are prone to failing uh, in some way, if either of you makes even the slightest mistake, the bridge never forms. So what I suggest is go in with a 75-75 attitude or better, and especially as the leader, it's, our, it's incumbent upon us to make the extra effort to ensure that there's overlap and ensure that that bridge forms. So that's the first thing. And then the, the next thing is the key is, well, 
you need to be able to speak their language. And in order to speak their language, well, let me share you this, with you this story. You know, when I was stationed in Germany, my parents and my bro- oldest brother had come over to visit, and we were touring, and it was uh, we spent the entire morning, and we were ready to stop for late lunch, and we're in this remote uh, German town and uh, in Bavaria. And the waitress comes up and says, and somehow they always identify Americans, um, but she comes up and she says, uh, I'm sorry, I don't speak much English. And I, ha- I responded, Kein Problem, wir können Deutsch sprechen. Ich spreche genug und ich werde alles übersetzen für meine Familie. And all I said is, no problem, I speak enough German and I'll translate for my family. Now, the question I have for you is, do you think she treated me differently? And, of course, the response that I get is, yes. And the reason, well, because I spoke her language. Now, if we take that concept and we apply whether you're visiting a foreign country or how you're connecting with people who have a different communication style than you, that's going to help you be more, much more successful as a leader. Hmm. I like that. And I like how you said 75, the 75%, because I even remember one time listening to um, a Darren Hardy interview with a, a gentleman, um, Tom Ferry, and he said you've got to take 100 zeros. So I definitely like that approach that you uh, took on that. It is, it is one of those things how, and given you were in the military, how she just, uh, I don't want, kind of assume that because you were in, or you were American, you didn't speak enough German. But I like how you, you, I don't necessarily want to say proved her wrong, but you proved that you could at least speak German and how you offered to translate uh, the ordering the orders uh, from English to German to help her out. So I, I like that example. Yeah, well, there's this perception that uh, we as Americans don't take the time to learn the other's languages, and again, translate that to, to the, your leadership role. If you as a leader don't take the time to learn the other person's language, you're going to get the same effect. And I'd never heard of the 100% to 0%, uh, and i got to tell you, when you said that, that kind of shocked me, because I'm not sure anybody would want to work with a coworker that wasn't going to at least attempt to move in your direction even a little bit. So um, I'd be curious to hear more about that. Uh, on a, I'll send you that interview so you can listen to it. All right, thank you. On a side note, well, I'll send you that interview. That's no problem. And actually, I, I always found it to be a very good interview. Um, but continue on the whole conversation in regards to language and leadership. How do you decide what language another speaks in order to speak their language? Okay, good question. So, you know, you can spend a lot of time studying human behavior and, and really getting down into the roots, and, and that would certainly be helpful and more important. Or, like me, I mean, and I've done that. I did that throughout my career because it was something uh, of interest to me. Um, but if you want to get to the, like anything, you want to reduce the, the amount of time it takes to learn something, I, I use these indiv- individual assessments, and this makes it so much easier. Um, and uh, and I look at different types and styles, and the one that I like the most boils down to being able to answer two questions because um, so, there are four different types. And you have taken that, and, uh, and you've talk, you and I have talked about that a little bit, and that's the DISC assessment. But there are others that, you know, they break down into 16 different types. And the reason I like DISC is because it's EO, EEO certified. And, again, it's those two questions. And those two questions that you simply have to ask and know and be able to answer about the other person you're going to meet is, do you think that they're an introvert or an extrovert? That's the first question. And then are they people or task-oriented? 
And when you get that question, those two questions right, then you can identify their type, you've realized their communication style, and now you know what language you need to speak to them. Now the key is, is this isn't going to happen overnight uh, because answering these two questions becomes an art. And as you do it more and more and more, you're going to get better because you're more conscious, you're taking notice of it. And, and just like anything else, when you practice it, you get better at it. And so when I, when I coach my clients, I also work um, with them, and we go through these uh, 19 different variables that you can start asking to answer introvert or extrovert people or task-oriented. Um, so. All right. So let's take a little bit of a sidetrack here. So what would you say, uh, how would you necessarily um, – handle introvert versus extrovert? Like, which one would you feel is, coming from your perspective, which which is, is the easier one to deal with? How would you handle, or what was this, the, the latter question? Which, if um, you don't mind, please repeating. Oh, no, no. Um, how would you deal with it, or which one would you find easier to deal with coming from your perspective? Oh, okay. Well, let's answer that second part. Which okay. one will be easier from my perspective? Well, that is all dependent upon where and who I am. And so let's say you've taken the DISC assessment and uh, in, let's say you're a C. If you're a C, you're going to likely have a lot more in common with all the other Cs in the world, and you're going to know how to speak their language because you speak that language. And, and based on the two questions that we just talked about, if you're a C, what that means is your answers were, well, I'm an introvert and I am task-oriented uh, in the two answers. So you're going to find a common links with those who are also introvert, which would be those people who are S's in the DISC profile. And you're also going to have something in common with the D's because they're very much task-oriented. And the hardest relationship for a C to be able to uh, build that bridge, if you will, not that it's impossible, um, it's not, not at all impossible, it's just that it, it takes more of a stretch for a C to communicate with an I, and it takes more of a stretch for a D to communicate with an S. Um, but if you become aware of those things, you just get better at it, and you know who you're talking to and why. And if you don't mind, did I answer both questions or just the second part? No, I, I, I feel you did. I, I feel you did. I feel you did. And the funny thing is, just so people know, uh, I had actually got a copy of a disc assessment and I had taken this, and um, I, I found it to be uh, really on point in regards to myself. There, there were certain things that, as I read this, I was like, wow, this is truly me, and uh, it's, me to, it's, it's me. That's all I can say is me. Cause yeah, the funny thing is, about those assessments is those psychologists have spent, the behavioral psychologists have spent a great deal of time being able to boil down how to categorize people with a few simple questions and clicks and that sort of thing. And, and the results and the feedback that come from these assessments are extremely useful, and, uh, again, which is why I use them, because you can cut right to the chase and uh, focus on the, the, the issues that are important to each unique individual. All right. So since we're talking about the DISC assessment, uh how does one get how does one get the disk index assessment all right well for for me the, you can go to my website which is www.blackhawkleader.com 
And if you simply uh, click on the assessments uh, button in the uh, menu items, uh, you'll find underneath there the three different assessments that I use, and DISC is one of them. So that would be a way, and I'm sure there are other assessments out there. Um, but if you don't mind, um, I want to talk a little bit about why I use – there are a number of different DISC assessments, and I happen to use something called the DISC index. And the reason I want to make that distinction is because um, the DISC index talks about the person's natural and adaptive styles. So what do I mean by that? What happens is, is that every one of us has a preferred MO or modus operandi where we, this is really who we are, this is how we prefer to communicate, but we all adapt based on how we perceive we're being observed or when we think we're being observed, and so we change. And so for folks who take the DISC index, they get to see um, – two snapshots, the natural snapshot and the adaptive. And when they start recognizing that they change their behavior um, when they're being observed, it makes a difference. And they start realizing, hmm. Now, the, the true, to be truly successful, the more you can tap into who you naturally are, the easier it becomes. It doesn't mean you can't do it when you adapt, but when you do it for too long, you start feeling stressed, and it just becomes harder. And so why not take advantage of who you truly are and then go from there? And so that's one of the reasons why I use the DIS index, and I wanted to, to make that point. Oh, no, and, and that, it's funny how you say that because it's, it's like the old statement, be true to thine own self. And regardless of the situation, just be you. Uh, I'm sure you probably heard how people sometimes are called, they act fake in this situation. If you just be you. Regardless of the scenario, I think that helps the person better out. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And actually, as you were talking through that, I was looking for one of my, I was looking through my assessments, wanting to get to one of those, uh, one of those, uh, one of the parts on dealt with that, but now I can't seem to find it as we go through here. And do me a favor, just so people can hear it, and give your website so people can get to that DISC index assessment again as well. Sure. It's www.blackhawkleader.com. And if you forget or can't remember it, well, that's just because uh, I named that after the helicopter I was so passionate about once flying. Um, so when you get to the website, simply go to the assessments tab, and you'll find the three assessments in there. And DISC is one of those. And actually, I, I, if you mind, if we take a side note real quick, I found some of the uh, one of the on decisive. I found some of the uh, how my score showed, and I'd like to just comment on some of the things I had uh, that it said about me. If you don't mind that, no, I don't mind at all. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Now this is in regards to decisive. It says your score shows a low average score in the D spectrum. The comments below highlight some of the traits specific to just your unique score. Uh, you may be hesitant to share your opinion with others if the topic is divisive or hotly contested. I'm sure you've probably heard the statement that there's two things you never discuss, politics and religion, because of how, how, top, how heated those discussions can be. And uh, that is so true. Uh, personally, I cut back on my social media use, but I'll look at other people on Facebook and see they get into these long, drawn-out debates, 
And personally, I, I just think I don't have time to get into this type of long, drawn-out debate. I have my own opinion, and you know something, rather than giving out my opinion, I'm going to let you people do what y'all have to do. I'm going to focus on what I have to do. So I, I definitely agree with that. Another one, you are a calculated risk taker, but only after you've had sufficient time to consider all potential outcomes. It's funny how that came up. Um, my wife's car is actually, uh, her warranty is going to be expiring soon. You know how you get you might get all these things in the mail talking about you have to renew, you have to renew. Well, one of the guys happened to call me uh, at work the other day, and I'm like, okay. And the deal he broke down was just really good for me, but I'm also... I'm very uh, – I do everything on budget. If the numbers aren't in the budget, I'm not going to do it. And it, it's just funny. So it's funny how I say calculated risk taker. And it was like – and the other thing is I also felt like I had to make a decision right then and there. Personally, I'm like I'm, I don't like those type of situations where I have to make a decision. And um, I know I mentioned Darren Hardy earlier. One of the other things he uh, – going through some of his leadership classes, one of the other things he said is if you can't say – uh, hell yes to a situation, just say no. And because I couldn't say basically yes to that, uh, the warranty, despite the deal I thought was a great deal and it didn't work in my budget, I just told the guy I want to thank him for your time, but right now I'm just saying no. Uh, you are very, you're usually very supportive of the decisions made by others on your team. Uh, I, I also find that to be true, especially if it comes from a leadership position. I might voice my opinion sometimes, but if this is the way we're going to go, this is the way we're going to go. Um, and going back to that, that conversation with the guy with the warranty, under high pressure you may become somewhat indecisive or resistant to make a very quick decision, which I believe to be true, as I just said. Uh, you can be very modest in dealing with others. I find that true. And you prefer a work environment that is not too pressured or filled with constant change. And uh, I was like, wow. This is starting, as I was reading over some of these, I'm like, wow. Now, this is just really me. So if you don't mind, uh, since you and I both know your scores, do you mind if I share with the audience and explain why you feel so, uh, why you're confirming the statements you're getting back in your assessment? Sure. Let's go. Uh, by all means. Uh, probably okay. help somebody want to do this. All right. So, so for the audience's uh, benefit, in Kelly's case, his highest score is a C. And that C is that introvert and that very, very task-oriented person and when you heard him talk about those numbers and facts and figures, well, the C's of the world want that information. And they won't make decisions uh, lightly because they need the facts and figures. And if they don't get the facts and figures, it's, they're going to be resistant to that type of change. The next thing that you talked about is was being supportive. Well, that was your second highest score. And um, so, again, those tend to be the introverts of the world who are people-oriented. And so that's a part of you that is uh, very important and naturally who you are. And so that's going to come out and you're going to feel like, hey, I want to support people because this is the type of person I am. Um, I don't remember if you do things with customer uh, service, but the people who are strong in that particular dimension uh, or quadrant, if you will, they tend to be very good customer service reps because they want to treat people well and um, they're just good at it. And so those are your top two. And the other things take a back seat to that's who you are. And so being true to who you are, uh, like you said, I don't have time for that. Uh, you're, you're not so much into the social media the people thing because there are other things that you deem more important. And, and again, knowing, um, knowing who you are is, is critical. And so you're, you're getting to see that because you happen to have 
the benefit of taking the assessment and having those results in front of you. If you don't mind, I'd like to continue sort of on that thread. Um, and it has to do with, you know, you've determined that somebody else's communication style, then, then what, what is next, and, and that sort of thing. And, and so what we're talking about here is, is that self-awareness. And, and for me and for everything I've ever experienced, it all starts with having a really good understanding of yourself. And if you, you look and you see all the successful people you know, um, it boils down to the fact that they have a very, very keen sense of self-awareness. Um, and this means a, a sense of self-reflection. And, that's, and what I mean by that is that is noting not only the good or the great things and the strengths that you have but, and, and being able to take advantage of your strengths, but seeing your blind spots. Um, because if you don't recognize and know what your blind spots are, in this case, your blind spots, Kelly, would be talking to the extroverts of the world, those people who are D's and I's. Um, and it doesn't mean that you can't handle that, but you need to be aware. So let me explain that. So okay. for the audience, for you in the audience, let's say, let's go back to anatomy or uh, biology in high school. And when you learned about the anatomy of the eye, you, you probably learned that there are because of where the optic nerve attaches to the back of the eye, there are no rods and cones there. And so when you're looking with binocular vision, we're assuming two eyes, you have a 45-degree blind spot off of your left front and a 45-degree blind spot off of your right front. And if you really think back to when you were learning how to drive, um, what did the instructor tell you? told you to turn your head. Well, why? Because you do have those blind spots. And if you don't turn your head, you're going to miss and miss certain things. You know, that was critical for me when I was a helicopter pilot in aviation is we were constantly turning our head and had our heads on a swivel. And if you don't know those blind spots, like let's go back to the anatomy. First thing is you have to be aware of the blind spot, and then you have to take the corrective action, which is turning your head. And the same thing applies for knowing our communication style. What is our blind spot? And if we know to turn our head and to be, you know, have our radar up and be looking out for those things because they're not natural to us, um, whatever our blind spot happens to be, if they're not natural to us, we have to be cognizant of it to make sure that these blind spots do not manifest as weaknesses. And it's when you don't have that keen sense of self-awareness and when you don't recognize that when you're in a situation where you're talking to somebody who speaks a different language than you, um, I mean, it's, it's obvious when you're speaking a foreign language, but when you're talking to just somebody else uh, as a coworker, you know, we all truly are different, and if we don't recognize that, it makes that communication harder. And again, we back to the premise of this conversation. It, it's about improving communication, building those bridges so that we can become more effective leaders. So hopefully that puts some of you in perspective based on the, the actual facts and figures you gave and it was helpful to you. Oh, yes. Uh, once again, I, I agree. And it's, it's even funny how you talked about shared experiences and things like that. I think about how it actually within my office, it's kind of it's kind of a, a subset of how America is today where we've got a group of uh, gentlemen who are like in their late 50s to 60s. We've got a group like myself uh, where uh, it would be that Generation Y group that's in our late 30s, early 40s, 
and then we've got the millennial group, a, a group of about four individuals in their late 20s, early 30s. And just how everybody seems to necessarily talk to each other in regards to their age or, you know, those shared experiences that they've had in life. So uh, it, it, I, I understand where you're coming from in that pr- approach as well. I want to right. go back. Now, what you just oh, talked oh, about sorry, also leads in, you know, I mentioned there are three assessments, and I, I know we were only going to talk about this today, and that's fine. But but just so you know for the bigger picture of why three assessments, well, when we're talking about DISC, the answers you get by taking that assessment is you learn how you prefer to communicate and how others prefer to communicate, the how of we'll call this three-part uh, trilogy. Then there's another assessment called the values index, which talks about, well, why do I make the decisions that I make, which is kind of what you were alluding to, is, well, why do the Gen Xers and the Gen Ys and the uh, the baby boomers think differently about it? It's because we all have different experiences and we all have different things that motivate us. And so that values index talks about seven different motivators, and, and that's beyond the scope of what we were going to talk about. But I just want to you know, highlight it as, hey, if you know those as well, um, then we're going beyond just how people communicate, but to understanding why they make the decisions they do. And then the final assessment is called the attribute index, and what that is talking about are the three different um, uh, preferences um, that people might have for making their decisions and, and the what of decision-making. And so that boils down to, you know, some people are logical, some people want to do things practically with their hands, and other people uh, tend to make decisions based on their sense of empathy towards others. Mm. Mm. That's another good one. I, you, you've intrigued me, especially with the, the empathy in, in regards to being practical. And what was the second one you said? Because that one caught my attention, too. So so the three, uh, when we make decisions, we're, we have a dominant um, Every one of us has a dominant uh, trait or characteristic, and some of us are very logical. We think with our head first. That that leads our decision making. Some of I'll give you an example after I tell you because it'll crystallize the point. The some of us are uh, very practical and we want to do things um, and just get right into it. And some of us are very very empathetic and we it's a feeling with our heart type of thing. So here's the scenario. Let's say I had we had three people in a room, and they were all purists. One was a logical, one was a practical, and one was a, uh empathetic type of person. Um, and I walked in the room, and I said, here's a DVR and a set of instructions. Go ahead and put it together, and, uh, and let's watch what happens. Now, since and now none of us are wired this way, but in this particular case, uh, to illustrate the point, they're all purists. So here's what's going to happen. The logical thinker is going to say, we need to go through these instructions step-by-step step before we plug one wire to from the DVR to the TV or do anything. And, and you may know somebody like that. I certainly do. And then the practical person will say, we don't need to do that. This is just common sense. We're going to plug these things. Let's get going. Um, and then the two are going to argue. And then the third person, the empathetic person, is going to look at those other two and say, why can't you two just get along? So... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> sorry. No, that's great. So, so the thing is, is that hey, um, if you if if you have this understanding of who people, how they make the decisions, 
then you know to to take the sta- the example one step further when you know one of my colleagues was working with a a leadership team and they found that you know they're always coming up with these great ideas but they never implemented the, uh, any of their decisions then they took this assessment the attribute index and they found that they had all logical thinkers on their leadership team but no practical thinkers so what do you think they did they said hmm we need to bring on a practical thinker onto our leadership team, and, and the same with the empathetic. And so, so when you when you weave all three of these assessments together, you really, really get that deep, rich understanding of who you are. Again, that whole self awareness. It all starts with you, and who other people are and why they are. And you start making those connections. Then you're really building bridges and. So let me give you yet another visual example. You know, most people, uh, I think you, they, they would understand the concept of a neural net, which is simply, you know, it's mirrored after the brain and how the brain operates, where you've got all these synapses and connectors. And when when you have an experience in life, your brain says, it starts making these connections. And as you get more and more experiences, the connections become more robust and and all those those kind the connectivity is there. So imagine you're in a work environment where typically you have a good relationship with one or two people, and and those people have relationships with one or two other people uh, as well, and and it's that forms a network at, in the work environment. Well, if in the workplace everybody was cognizant of what we're talking about today and had you know, building those bridges and relationships with their coworkers, you know, in the front of their mind because they know how important it is, then guess what? What happens is instead of having just a couple connections in a, in a simple neural network, you have a number of connections and you're, you're setting the tone, you're, you're giving the workplace this, uh, this is the environment here, we, we are about trying to connect and build bridges with each other, and the more and more nodes that are connected with each other, well, guess what happens to communication and efficiency? Well, the the whole team becomes better, and everybody benefits from it, and it all stems to what's the fundamental. Well, the fundamental is being able to communicate with others, speaking their language, understanding the how they communicate, why they communicate, and what are their natural uh, decision uh, approaches to decision-making. Imagine how how useful that information is when you have it. Hmm. Very valuable, very valuable. Um, I know we've kind of taken some sidetracks here, but I want to ask you a question going off of that. How do you think organizations like to do do that type of stuff ahead of time, or do you think, given the other organization, they don't realize that stuff until, I don't want to say until it's too late, but until they realize, like, internally we might have a problem, and we've got to figure this out. Do you think they have the foresight, I guess I'm asking, or is one of those things that they don't realize there's an issue until this type of thing, the situation develops? Well, I think every organization, first of all, is comprised of people, and uh, it's, it depends on the people. It's just like when you said, you know, you don't have time for the social media. You know, everybody in the business world is busy, and you've got all these priorities, and um, the people who believe in what we're talking about today 
are going to be the ones who are going to be the first to set aside the time and say, you know what, I find these assessments valuable. I, I know what they can do uh, to improve communication and, and make my life easier in the long run. And it's the people who um, get that message. I don't mean get it in, intellectually. I mean first get it, be exposed to it, and then in, internalize it and say, you know what, this is a priority and something we should focus on. So I guess it becomes an issue of juggling priorities and where you feel it fits when you rack and stack it. And, and so for me, obviously, I think it's uh, very important, and I feel like throughout my career as, a, as an Army leader, um, it was something that I always felt that, you know, there was this expression, if you take care of the troops, they're going to take care of you. And... And because that's who I am and because I had some leaders in front of me who set the example and I learned from them, that's the way I chose to operate as a leader. And i got to tell you, um, my we call them command positions. My leadership positions when I was in command, I felt were my easiest positions uh, because I got to watch other people do great things and support them and uh, have their back, if you will, and when you have, when, as a leader, uh, when you have their back, um, they appreciate it, and they they'll they'll do miracles for you sometimes. Um, and, there, and so, before I finish this thought, what I want to share with you is, you may have noticed that I don't use when I'm speaking about myself or my clients. And, and some people think that this is a minor thing, but I think it's a big thing. I don't use the word manager as much as I use the word leader. And the reason is because, you know, I feel like the, the Army was uh, the best leadership development environment in the world. And there are two ways that I like to look at it. You lead people, you manage things. Now, let's just, to, to close this out, say, let me ask you this question, Kelly. If I were to ask you, let's say I were your boss, would you rather say to others that you're managed by Tom or you're led like Tom, led in a why? heartbeat, led by Tom. Because it, it not that it, just that it sounds better, but why do you why is that why do you agree with me? Because I I hate to say that managers are weenies, but it, it's that whole statement of you know I feel as if I'm being led by you, you're helping to bring out a better me. You know, you're you're taking me to new heights and new levels. You're 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 I'm like a piece of clay, and you're shaping and molding me. It, and I, I just feel I'm more I'm, I'm very big on leadership, and I just feel if I'm being led by this individual, and I like how you said in regards to the army, how if somebody has your back, I think of one of the best bosses I haven't had I ever had. I worked for this gentleman ten years ago, and to this day, I will still run through a wall for that man. Literally, I will run through a wall for that man because of what I felt he was in my life. And and he had my back in certain situations, and I, that's why when you said that, I was in total agreement with you. That's why I'm saying if I'm being led by you, I realize you're helping me to take me to newer heights so that one day I can possibly obtain your position or a position very similar to yours. Exactly, and if you're a good leader, you want to, you want to develop the people on your team for a number of reasons. Um, number one, you're not insecure with who you are, and you want, just like it would be your child, uh, and I don't mean to be trite there, but you want that person to be able to grow and develop. And so, if you're, if you have, if you go in with that attitude where you want to grow and develop the folks on your team, 
which is going to make your team a better and stronger team. I mean, think about all the teams, whether they pick your favorite sport, where they may not have the marquee players on the team, but they end up winning the championship. Well, how is that possible? Well, the only way that's possible is if they are gelling and clicking together because they all feel good about themselves because they have a leader or coach who is bringing out the best of them, best in them, and is concerned with their individual growth. And so it starts with that fundamental building block, whether we're talking about neural networks and nodes in the brain or building bridges. It starts with the fundamental uh, element of the individual. And if leaders treat people as individuals first, they figure out more often than not better ways to accomplish things than if you say this is the way we need to do it. Oh, so true. You're preaching to the choir over here, Tom. You're you're truly preaching to the choir over here. And I know we got kind of sidetracked off of our discussion on communication, but I think we had a much deeper discussion during this whole time. We get ready to wrap up here. A few questions I'd like to ask. I always like to ask people. What book are you currently reading or what YouTube video are you listening to or maybe what audio CD are you listening to that's help, uh, you know, help taking you to another level, that's help adding guidance to you? Well, um, what book? I, I'm reading a book by another speaker because uh, one of the things that I do in addition to coaching is speaking, and I'm trying to hone those skills. Uh, and it has to do with improvisation, and I'm, I'm sure it's not – uh, going to be known, um, but the the uh, author's name is Avish, Avish Parashar, and so that's the book I'm reading. But but the the reason I'm deflecting that a little is because I I'm spending a lot of time uh, because I'm tr- I'm constantly scanning business information and leadership information and trying to stay current with the events. There are periodicals that I read like Harvard Business Review and um, the Bloomberg Business Week and Success Magazines. I find those all uh, reinforcing and good for what I'm trying to do. And then for fun, um, because I did study a little bit of political science and it takes me away from the mainstream. You know, And the other thing, this is important too, is you know, we have to decompress uh, and not constantly you know, be tr- uh, putting our foot on the gas pedal to the floor because we all need a break, and so I'm going to share with you the final thing that I'll read. The journal is called uh, Foreign Affairs, and it, it talks about different things where they're well-written articles. Um, and on a final note there, you asked about books, and you you made the comment about Facebook. I always feel like the like if you read a newspaper versus a journal or magazine versus a journal versus a book, uh, there's a continuum there where you're getting uh, – much deeper thought and information going from the newspaper all the, or the social media, if you will. We'll put that to the left of uh, the newspaper, all the way to the books where you're really you're getting real quality information for the people who've done the research and study. Mm. I agree. And I have to, before we wrap this up, I have to bring back another topic or another question on communication styles just to, to take this discussion back to where we started and really thank you for your time and uh, all the information you've shared. Uh, how does one expedite, expedite their learning about communication styles so they can become more effective most quickly? 
Well, like I like I said earlier, I mean, you can study human behavior in uh, you can start from scratch, or you can take advantage of all the work that the behavioral psychologists have done. Um, and again, for me, uh, clearly I'm biased. I, I use this disk index assessment, um, and I think that based on you know some of the bullets you read, based on your own personal report, when you can take when you can receive the information that's very specific to you, it's it's easier to start connecting the dots and saying, oh, I'm starting to get what they mean theoretically by this. And the problem is, is when you go and you try to study something and you don't make the connection to yourself, uh, quite often we become less interested or disinterested and we won't get the full benefit of uh, understanding human behavior. So, so again, if you're going to expedite, start with yourself. Uh, take an assessment and um, really look into your strengths, discover your blind spots, make sure they don't manifest as weaknesses. Uh, and when you're, I think we're, you know, we're, it's not that we're selfish, but we're all, we're all interested in ourselves. And that's a, that's to me is the best starting point. <laughs> that That is true. And actually I was writing this down, self strengths, blind spots, I, I find that true, and even when you said we're not necessarily interested, um, we're not full of self, but more or less interested in self, and I, I, I find that true. I even think of something I say at times, like if the vision, if if it doesn't affect me, my wife, or my daughter, I don't care because I probably don't need to know what that is either, unless it affects the three of us. I I can agree with that statement as well. Tom, do you have any last words of advice or anything to share with our audience before we conclude? Um, just on your last comment, if it doesn't affect you, your wife, or your daughter, uh, there's a there's a short-term view of that. And then when you think of that in a long-term view, I would suggest that you or anybody listening consider this. Where do you want to be three to five years from now? What are the things that you have to do that are different than you're doing today? Or what are the things you have to learn? I mean, it's a very competitive world out there, world out there and there are people who are very good at what they do, and we all want to be one of those persons. And so in order to stay with the pace or get ahead of the pace, we have to take some time to grow and learn and develop as individuals. And so my last comment to you would be, how much time do you block out a day or a week? And is it quality time? And are you doing enough to reach your longer-term goals three, five, seven years down the road? Is that a rhetorical question or an actual question you wanted me to answer? I wasn't sure about that. No, that, that was re- that's a rhetorical question for you question. and the listeners. Okay. Is hey, are, are, okay. are you? Don't look back and say, "I wish I would have done this." Take some time, apply some discipline, and spend carve out whatever it is a week, a day, a month, so that you can achieve your long. You plural, everybody listening can achieve your long-term goals. Right, I agree with you on that too, and even how you said, "I, uh, I wish I would have." Um, Darren Hardy had um, one of his Darren Dailies the other day, and it talked about, "I wish it come like when you're 80 or something." Or are you going to say, "I wish I would have," or "I'm glad I did"? And the whole thing about taking chances and risk and uh, what do you want to do? And it, yes, it might be you might be afraid, you might have that false evidence appearing real. 
but you know something, it might be better on the other side once you actually do that thing you're afraid of as opposed to just standing on the sidelines. Get off, the, to use a sports analogy, get off the bench and get into the game. Exactly. Yes. Tom, I want to say thank you so much for this information. I found our time together was highly effective. And one more time, please give your website and people can reach out and contact you as well. Absolutely. So uh, you can reach me. At, uh, the website is blackhawkleader.com. My email address is simply tom at blackhawkleader.com. I'd be happy to uh, continue this discussion with whomever would be interested. And if you need to call me, it's 412-347-6151. That's 412-347-6151. Tom, thank you again for your time today. You have a good day, and I'll be in touch shortly. All right, Kelly, thanks much. You have a good day, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email tom at tomtootall.com for details.